0: Welcome to the Freedom Festival Small Talks, a series of conversations with artists, creatives and those who work with them. We wanted to demystify the creative process to give you an insight into the work that these people do, piece together some conversations and chats with our friends from all over the world. We guess it's a podcast, but we don't really know what a podcast is, so let's just call it a series of conversations. Small Talks.
1: This episode will present a collection of insights, stories and feelings from artists spanning a range of artistic forms. They focus on the question of whether art is actually ever finished, and in particular the evolution of their work through its life cycle. Dan Asher, currently based in Geneva, describes himself as an international artivist, using art to create change.
2: I have a motto that is uh, put up on my wall right in front of my desk, which says, good enough for now, safe enough to try. Let's let's do it. No, Let's put it out into the world, see how people react to it. My work is not about, it's not centered on the craft. It's not like one painting or one statue, you know, that is really a finished product that, you know, needs to be shown and shipped. My whole work is about the experience of the people, you know, what emotions I can trigger, what sense of belonging or community I can trigger. I'm able to um, tweak these experiences. You know, I've done it once and then I see what works, what doesn't work and, you know, what can be better. And so I can tweak the experience from time to time. Arts, In this way, it's never finished. Some part of it might be, for example, for Borealis, um, I had one soundtrack and now I've just created a second one that you will have in her. Now I have a feeling like, you know, it's, we're there. Like, I feel like this work is, you know, good and I'm feeling really proud of it, Um, but I never know what the future is gonna bring, and you know, so I might change it again. First of all, regarding Borelis, a uh, really interesting part of that piece is that um, it's never the same. Uh, it's, you know, like, okay, I can I create the situation, but um, depending on the wind, the the temperature, the humidity, it looks keeps changing all the time. And then depending on the location and the way the wind trails around and moves or doesn't move, it looks completely different. So even that one you know changes all the time. Like I'm not a painter, I'm not a graphic artist. I, I, my craft is creating the right situations for, for people to experience different emotions. My different projects that look completely different—they all come together to create this right, this situation where two strangers come and you know exchange a, a look in the eyes, you know, and and you know, and sense hopefully that they belong. To the same humanity. And so there can be two people, 100, 10,000, 100,000, like a whole city. Um, it's, it's always what I'm looking at, you know, for people to understand that uh, my well being depends on your well being, you know, and that uh, we all belong together and that uh, our future is intertwined. So at the moment, I believe I have a file that with over 200 ideas that are waiting to come to life. Um, any idea that I have, I archive them and, um, and they wait for the right time. Some of them I go back to and I go like, yeah, that was stupid. Um, some of them I just go like, yeah, this one, you know, there's really something there. Uh, sometimes there's an opportunity that opens the door for one to come up. And sometimes a few different ideas merge together to create something new. Really, anything—a shape that uh, where I see something interesting there, where there's, you know, I, f- I have a feeling that there's something there that needs to be digged. And um, when I'm looking for inspiration as such, I just go through these hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of posts that I created, and um, I just go through them, and then I remember, yeah, there was this thing here, and then there's this thing here, and my head. Something strange happens where I'm able to link some of these different posts and out of this, something new emerges. I study anthropology and in quite a few um, societies, there's no word to actually describe art. There's just no words for it. And because I've never thought of myself as an artist, it feels like I don't need a word to separate art from everyday life. I think um, you can be an artist in any aspect of your life. My art is much more connected to everyday life, to to nudge people out of their everyday routine and to experience something beautiful or very special. So yeah, um, I'm an artist and and I'm okay with it.
1: Anna Heinrich and Leon Palmer are video, sound and light insulation artists whose ship of the gods returns to the city as part of the awakening. They are fascinated by the blurring of boundaries between real and virtual space and how the creation and development of their work integrates into its surroundings.
3: It became this very poignant kind of piece of work and sometimes a place does that for you
4: most of our work actually um, kind of is developed in response to the site um, usually starts quite a few months before i guess in a way kind of go with quite an open mind but we're also trying to think about how um, the piece that we're making might sit with the site in which it's being shown. We came across this story, and um, this North myth called Githblavnir, which is this sort of ship of the gods. Basically, was a kind of a shape-shifting ship. could kind of hold all of the gods and their equipment um, and it always sort of had a favourable wind in its sail, but you could then also fold it down and put it in your pocket and. know kind of get it going in another place so we just really love this idea of this sort of ability for a ship to be able to just be able to change and be very transmutable in a way and it seemed to us very sort of contemporary as well
3: so since we started working together we we always wanted to make work for people to see for us You start getting used to just making a piece of work and sort of instinctively knowing it's going to do something and it's really only when you switch it on, so say you project onto a building, you've got no idea really what that's going to be like until you actually do it. If you're a painter, you know, you've got canvases on the go and you might have canvas on the go for 10 years or something like that. It's a different way of working. Um, So you sort of get used to the way of working that suits you, and in a way we chose this because we wanted to make work and then moved on to another piece of work, but that kind of brings traces of the previous work over with it. A piece of work's never quite finished in totality, but it's it's finished for that moment.
4: I think for us also there's two of us as well, so it kind of goes through this filter of, uh, you know, are we both kind of happy with it? You know, you show it in a space, and as Liam was saying, all of those factors, like, you know, how you set that up in a space. And with Ship of the Gods, it's interesting, because, you know, we, this is um, it's really exciting. It's coming back to Hull, but it's going to be quite a different um, site. You know, we're not using the whole Minster, and we're not using Trinity Square, so it's going to it's be... It's been
3: to two other places as well.
4: Yeah, it's so. going to be really interesting, um, kind of creating a different context for experiencing it. Yeah, each time we're having to sort of think, how is that going to sit with with the place and the audience? I guess we've, we're sort of quite privileged that we're getting to see it in different spaces and seeing how it changes subtly from one site to another. So in a way you could think, well, it's kind of an evolving piece in that way. Mm. And we've also thought about, you know, as an idea, it's quite an interesting idea that you have this Shape-shifting ship, um, and in a way, it doesn't really have to just stop at you know the ships that we've that we've used for hull. You know, there's that potential to kind of grow um, and build on the on the idea, if you like.
3: For us, making art is a process of learning. We understand things by making art. It's quite a difficult thing to explain to someone who just sees it as an output or whatever. But it's actually, you know, we learn so much stuff from, from, from doing this. We go from project to project and you get you learn vast amounts of things about a, a particular place. And then they start to, when you've worked a long time, they all start to sort of, bits of them join up. And you end up with this kind of quite an interesting and slightly strange view of the, of the world, the way that all these things interconnect.
1: Jean-Baptiste Duperret is the artistic director of the company which presents the ghostly parade that is Totems. He feels art is always changing and must develop with the times and technology. His ideas grow up and develop with the audience and what they are feeling.
5: When the show show is finished, perhaps never, (laughs) Every time we perform, it is like a new performance each time. It's not like on stage. We are in the street, we are on the square, we are on the snow, we are on boats. We are um, a lot of different places. Our performances travel all around the world, so that's a lot of performances. Even after several years, sometimes we, we change because the the ID grow up. We create new music in coordination with the performance and what we feel about it. The the kind of performance we are proposing with this with the Quidam's company, the ID is to feel how the audience feel the performance. You know, sometimes people don't like the show. That, that's why I like to perform in the streets because it's for everybody, everybody, all the people. Even the people who are used to go to the theater, also the people who are not used to go to the theater. Yes, the art can be revisited. It's always changing always it has to, to grow up with the with the people who are in, in the centuries so we have to keep the traditions but those traditions and also the art the performances the, the paint uh, all the arts in live with the centuries of course so that's why the media the digital, is very interesting but we do not have to be dependent of this.
1: Inspired by the East Coast landscape, Katie Spencer is a progressive folk singer-songwriter. Interaction with the audience shapes her decisions on when a piece is finished. Katie is one of the artists selected to create a composition for the Awakenings Rescore project, which sees music scored for archive film footage of Hull.
6: particularly within kind of songwriting I'm sort of often kind of writing for a reason um whether that be to kind of document a moment in time or kind of share a feeling with other people or just to kind of work through an emotion and particularly I guess for that last instance just the process of working through that emotion and capturing it within music and words is the most important thing and I guess once you've felt like you've worked through that, that piece is finished, I guess, in that regard. You know, I could go on forever and kind of change things and, and, and make things uh, maybe slightly better. I might wake up one morning and think, oh, that, that chord sounds so much better than the last one, and then wake up the next day and change it back again. And, you know, it depends on, on your whole mood and your atmosphere and kind of where you want that piece of music to go. Playing music live is a big kind of uh, indicator of, of that for me. Um, I'll get a I'll get a feeling and it's kind of indescribable, but um, I'll know if I want to kind of redo something. So I'll start with the the guitar most most of the time, um, but but sometimes I kind of get a title, you know, a lyrical title that I think sounds nice and. And start that way, which is more of a challenge for me. But I, I write differently that way, so I think it's important to to do both. If my if my purpose of sort of writing that song is to sort of process something, or to sort of feel some kind of connection with other people. Uh, and, it's, and it kind of feels as though it will do that, then that's great. But if, if I feel like I'm kind of going on the wrong tracks and right now is not the time to be trying to express that feeling, then I guess that's how I, that's how I sort of know. Um, it feels, I guess it feels contrived. I've been kind of spending quite a lot of time recently with the kind of, so much time on our hands uh, we've been able to sort of explore this kind of idea about kind of, you know, what is my authentic voice and I think um, it goes hand in hand with this idea of, you know, how do you know when something's something's right or not
1: Mark Ray is a DJ and producer, now turned author. Mark talks over the art of sampling, using existing recordings to create new music, and how it is just a matter of timing.
7: So, you know, I started a family late in life. I'm 53 now, you know, my son's going to be six. I threw away 20 years of my life to just do nothing but music. It's quite simple to explain. It's about timing, it's about whether you're lucky enough to be born in a time when things change. In the early 80s and mid-80s, when samplers first came out, they were £25,000. By the time that the late 80s comes along, Akai and ENU are releasing drum machines and samplers that, that cost about £1,000 or £1,500. Now, if you're obsessed, you can afford that, or you can go around to a mate's house who's got one, and then you can get out a Grover Washington Jr. album and you can do a loop and do a loop and suddenly you're in control of, you know, four seconds of Grover Washington Jr. Suddenly you feel connected to a change in the environment uh, and the culture. We put all the records on 45 instead of 33. We changed the pitch so you're manipulating key so that you were then starting to drift into the world where you were actually making montages that were beyond the concept of musicianship. You know that guy Cold War Steve? So if you look at what he's done, he's, he's learned. it's a very similar to what a sampler is, and he's able to steal bits of imagery and then make a montage which is in its own right a piece that works as a piece of art, You know if you steal drums, kicks and snares off one record, which are only like half a second each on 45, then you take a bass line from, you know, Donald Byrd, then you take a guitar riff from, you know, Mandrill, and then you put them all together, it's starting to become something beyond the origin of those records, isn't it? It's like it becomes its own beast. Once you realize that you could get that sort of control of the environment, it became very addictive. You're making something that's actually, you know, a very deeply rewarding thing, and also it gets an immediate response. are you in that room, you're suddenly making magic happen, you know, alchemy, basically. Now it's exploded because it's almost as if there is no such thing as copyright, because when you put your photographs on Facebook, it says that you can't own them anymore. TikTok is where the music industry makes its income now, and if you have a hit on TikTok, such as Sam Fender did with them, um, hit him in a heartbeat now, that became a meme of people's anger, and that drove sales and streams for him. That was TikTok, TikTok sampling him, And he wants to be sampled by, instead of an artist, he wants to be sampled by you and me and people who are pissed off around the world with their own internal anger. Uh, And it becomes a hit by people using technology to, in essence, I would say sample it to boost their timeline. See, do you know what I mean? It's like the concepts are still the same. The point is, is that it's part of the human condition to, uh, to enjoy things that are hooky those, that's how samples and memes and, and and TikTok and all of these things work. It's about cultural um, value and content, you know? The good stuff sticks. It's been a gift to me to have existed as a human being during this period, you know? So I you know, grew up absorbing music when it was just on vinyl and, and then cassette and then CD and then sampling and then, you know, record label doing vinyl and CDs and then all digital and then now, you know, in your phone, to have gr- been alive and been involved in art and music in that period has been a stunning experience, you know?
1: Thinking of Mark's suggestion that where one piece of art ends, another begins, brings us to the conclusion of this episode.
0: thanks for listening to this episode of the freedom festival small talks big thanks to pat and carl from broken orchestra for producing this work so creatively and brilliantly do visit the website freedomfestival.co.uk and you can see other episodes from this series plus other material which you might find interesting